Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hi, everybody. This is Lewis Ewing, uh, Pro Se Winners, uh, Saturday night, uh, a few minutes after 5. Uh, as you can see, I posted my links uh, on the chat board and whatnot. Um let me also post uh, um, the links for 1030 RCW 1031-100. This is um, the the RCW. It'll take you right to the Washington State uh, website for RCWs. 1031-100, folks, is the arrest without warrant statute in the criminal code, Title 10. Below that, which I'm going to post now, is RCW 4664015, which is the traffic arrest statute. Um, you see my link for free flyers above. You're going to want to go grab my stop arrest notice because I'm going to bounce back and forth between the stop arrest notice in this case I'm reading. Um, let me uh, uh, get this um, case typed on the board. Uh, State versus uh, Poultry, 120, Washington, App, 270. Sorry if I'm uh, busting people's eardrums with the keyboard. Um, so hold on. I wish I'd gotten this typed a little earlier because I hate doing this typing while I'm on the show. Um, yes, people find that really irritating. I, I know I do. So Okay, State versus Poultry. Um, I'm going to post this side on the board. And I'm going to start to read from the case and so you guys get an idea. Um, now, before I read from this case, I'm going to point out something, folks. 1031-100. That's the criminal code arrest without warrant statute. It has three major subsections. And subsection 2A, B, and C, um, if you want to go click on those links and look at it, well, 2... When you read it, it says a police officer shall arrest and take into custody pending release on bail, personal recognizance, or court order, a person without a warrant when the officer has probable cause to believe that A, an order has been issued of which the person has knowledge under 2644063 or Chapter 7.2, 790, 9846, Folks, make it short and simple. Those are domestic violence statutes. RCW restraining the person and anti-contact, anti-harassment orders between married couples that are fighting. RCW restraining the person and the person has violated the terms of the order restraining the person from acts or threats of violence or restraining the person from going onto the ground of or entering a residence, workplace, school, or daycare, prohibiting the person from knowingly coming within or knowingly remaining within a specified distance of a location or in the case of an order issued under 2644-063, imposing any other restrictions or conditions upon the person, or B, a foreign protection order, as defined in 2652-010, has been issued of which the person under restraint has knowledge 
and a person under restraint has violated a provision of the foreign protection order prohibiting the person under restraint from contacting or communicating with another person or excluding the person under restraint from a residence, workplace, school, or daycare, or prohibiting the person from knowingly coming within or knowingly remaining within a specified distance of a location or a violation of any provision for which the foreign protection order specifically indicates that a violation would be a crime, or subsection C, the person is 16 years or older and within the preceding four years has assaulted a family or household member as defined in 1099-020, and the officer believes I, a felonious assault has occurred, II, an assault has occurred which has resulted in bodily injury to the victim, whether the injury is observable by the responding officer or not, or III, did any physical action has occurred which was intended to cause another person reasonably to fear imminent serious bodily injury or death. Bodily injury means physical pain, illness, or an impairment of physical condition when the officer has probable cause to believe that family or household members have assaulted each other the officer is not required to arrest both persons. The officer shall arrest the person whom the officer believes to be the primary physical aggressor. In making this determination, the officer shall make every reasonable effort to consider I, the intent to protect victims of domestic violence under 1099-010, or II, the comparative extent of injuries inflicted or serious threats creating fear of physical injury, and III, the history of domestic violence of each person involved, including whether the conduct was part of an ongoing pattern of abuse. Okay, folks, back up to two. I just read you subsections A, B, and C. Subsection two says a police officer shall arrest and take into custody, pending release on bail, person with cognizance, a court order, a person without a warrant, when the officer has probable cause to believe that A, B, and C. That's it. Folks, did you hear me say 46, 23, 42, drive while suspended, first, second, or third degree? No. Now, under the law of statutory construction, what is not included is excluded. That's what my stop arrest notice informs you. Now, subsection 3 says, any police officer having probable cause to believe that a person has committed or is committing a violation of any of the following traffic laws shall have the authority to arrest the person. Oh. So we got A, RCW 4652-010, relating to duty on striking an unattended car or other property. Okay, that's hit and run. B, 46, RCW 4652-020, relating to duty in case of injury to or death of a person or damage to an attended vehicle. Okay, that's hit and run. Okay, the first one was hit and run when there's no car there, parked car, drunk driver hitting parked cars. The second one uh, is hit and run with somebody who's actually driving another car or at least in the car. C, RCW 4661-500 or 4661-530, relating to reckless driving or racing of vehicles. D, 4661-502 or 4661-504, relating to persons under the influence of intoxicating liquor or drugs. Oh, isn't that interesting, folks? They can't arrest and take you into custody for drunk driving. (laughs) E, RCW 4661-503 or 4625-110 relating to persons having alcohol or THC in their system. Folks, drunk driving is the privilege. That's what the privilege is. The state has even spent millions of dollars putting signs up on the highway telling you that you can drink and drive up to 0.08%. Okay? 
So you can legally drive with alcohol in your breath. You can legally drive drunk up to 0.08%. Okay? They have to be able to prove the combined elements that, A, you're driving drunk over the limit, and, two, that your driving ability was impaired. Okay, well, let's go down to uh, subsection F. There we go. RCW 4620-342, relating to driving a motor vehicle while operator's license is suspended or revoked. And G, RCW 4661-5249, relating to operating a motor vehicle in a negligent manner. Okay. Uh, the other arrest and take into custody section, 9, subsection 9. A police officer may arrest and take into custody pending release on bail, person recognizance, or court order, person without a warrant when the officer has probable cause to believe that an order has been issued of which the person has knowledge under Chapter 1014 and the person has violated the terms of that order. Okay. Uh, 16. A police officer shall arrest and keep into custody until released by a judicial officer on bail, person recognizance, or court order. A person without a warrant when the officer has probable cause to believe that the person has violated 4661-502 or 4661-504 or an equivalent local ordinance and the police officer has knowledge that the person has a prior offense as defined in 4661-5055 within 10 years. Okay. Uh, a drunk driver who has previous drunk driver convictions. Okay. That would be who that applies to. But, folks, the key thing I'm honing in on tonight is that driving while suspended is not included in subsection 2A, B, or C, where it uses the words arrest and take into custody. It's included in subsection 3, which says, any police officer having probable cause to believe that a person has committed or is committing a violation of any of the following traffic laws shall have the authority to arrest the person. Okay, so... You can go look at uh, my Lewis Ewing Free Flyer Index, and let me see, uh, my Arrest Me or Free Me Flyer, okay? A motorist is seized when a police officer pulls up behind his car and activates full emergency lights. Okay, folks, when the cop turns on his lights, you're already under arrest. That's State versus D'Armond. Um, I'll go ahead and post this quote on the board. This is what they're mistraining the cops. Folks, I'm going to be create, um, once I get the rest of this case law pulled, I'm going to create a mandatory judicial notice, and I'm going to serve the entire state government with it uh, and showing the state patrol with their own manuals that they're mistraining the cops to give all the dummy cops out there brainwashing to believe that they can search you into an arrest for anything. Okay? Uh, folks, if you've been pulled over for speeding, running a red light, not using your turn signals, your headlights out, and the cop turns on his lights, you are under arrest. Okay? But he cannot search you incident to what the law requires to be a non-custodial arrest. The law says he can only search you incident to a lawful custodial arrest. And that's what the cases of my flyer lay out, State versus Stortrin and State versus Redding. But let me give you some more cases on point about you are under arrest when the lights come on. Uh, 1981, 
State versus Stroud is probably um, the most cited case for for that proposition. Um, It says, under the totality of the circumstances, the officer's attempt to summon the occupants of the parked car with both their emergency lights and high-beam headlights constituted a show of authority sufficient to convey to any reasonable person that voluntary departure from the scene was not a reasonable alternative. CF United States versus Palmer, 603 Federal 2nd, 1286 at 1289, 8th Circuit, 1979. In the present case, however, we concluded that Stroud was seized for Fourth Amendment purposes at the moment the officers pulled up behind the parked vehicle and switched on the flashing light. That's right, folks. When the cop turns on the flashing light, you are under arrest. But he cannot search you for the busted tail light. He cannot search you for the broken headlight, the one headlight out at nighttime. You're driving around with one headlight. He cannot search you for not wearing a seatbelt. He cannot search you for speeding. He cannot search you for running, uh, uh, not using your turn signals. Okay? Next case I'm going to read, State versus Young. A person is seized within the meaning of the Fourth Amendment only when, in light of all the surrounding circumstances, the reasonable person would believe that he or she was not free to leave. Citing United States versus Mendenhall. Uh, let me post the Young case first, but you can actually get the Mendenhall case site from State versus Young. Okay? These sites, folks, are all in my free flyers, uh, the ones that I'm reading you right now. Um, the Arrest Me or Free Me flyer at uh, lewisewing.com. L U I S E W I N G. lewisewing.com. Okay? Now, these folks, folks, these flyers, um, I'm going to point out, they're not motions. They're not professionally designed to be used and filed in a court. Okay? These motions were written at the eighth grade level for the ADIQ or less cop. Okay? They're designed for you to carry in your glove box, underneath your, your car seat, folded up in your wallet. This is what you hand to the cops when you get pulled over. Officer, am I under arrest? Am I free to leave? Well, uh, uh, you're being detained. <laughs> okay. They've actually trained these dummies to try to outsmart you. Folks, if you are not free to leave, you are under arrest. And don't tell them, let them bullshit you into uh, believing that, no, no, you're not under arrest, you're being detained. Okay. Black's Law Dictionary, 5th edition, at page 404, here's the definition for detain. To retain as the possession of personality. To arrest, to check, to delay, to hinder, to hold, or keep in custody, to retard, to restrain from proceeding, to stay, to stop. Citing People v. Smith, 17 California Appellate 2nd, page 468, or 62 Pacific 2nd, page 436, at 438. Also State v. King, 303 Southwest Reporter 2nd, page 930 at 934. Okay, Um, see also confinement, custody. Folks, the words custody, confinement, arrest, and detain are synonymous terms. They mean the same thing. So, officer, I don't want to hear your bullshit. If I'm being detained, I'm under arrest. So either I'm free to leave or I'm under arrest. Well, I have to ask you some questions first. Well, you have the First Amendment right to do that, but... 
I also have the First Amendment right not to talk to you. Well, do you have a license? Well, officer, am I required to produce evidence that could be used against me in a court of law? Well, you have to tell me if you have a license. I said, well, you know, officer, I cannot confirm or deny whether or not I have a driver's license. Uh, folks, uh, bear with me for a second here. I'm going to pull the exact uh, quote for the Washington State Constitution. Okay, uh, let's see. Um, Law Agency Rules, Washington State Constitution. Hopefully I got the right one. I think so. Oh, here we go. Section 9, Rights of Accused Persons. No person shall be compelled in any criminal case to give evidence against himself or be twice put in jeopardy for the same offense. Well, officer, is it a crime to drive without a license? Yes or no? Yeah, it's a crime. Well, officer, well, now you're lying. Because 4620.015 says driving without a license is a civil infraction. Well, do you have a license or not? Well, I can't confirm that, officer. You're going to have to look that up yourself. The cop will. He'll conduct an illegal license plate search, folks. Did you know that all license plate searches are 100% illegal? Okay. They cannot search incident to what the law requires to be a non-custodial arrest. Okay. Under both state and federal law, whenever a police officer stops a motorist, he has seized him. This is a 1980 case, folks. Okay. The cops know this shit. Don't let them bullshit you. State versus silver nail. Okay. Under both state and federal law, whenever a police officer stops a motorist, he has, quote, seized him. Okay? I'm going to post the site on the board so you guys can have it. But this is in my Arrest Me or Free Me flyer, which you can find at my um, website, lewisewing.com. In Seattle versus H is another one. 11 Washington Appellate at 41. 1973, folks, the the cops know this. A person is placed under arrest when he is deprived of his liberty by an officer who intends to arrest him. The arresting officer does not need to orally communicate this intent to the person being arrested, citing State v. Sullivan. Here the arrest occurred when the officer informed the aid car attendant that the defendant was under arrest and he was not, not to be allowed to leave. The arrest was valid. Okay. Um, folks, you're under arrest when you're not free to leave. It, it's that simple. Okay? Um, you have the right to remain silent under the Fifth Amendment, but you also have the right under Article One, Section 9 to refuse to give any evidence that could be used against you in a criminal case. You've already got the dumb cop to admit that driving without a license is a crime, so now you don't have to give him evidence of that. But there are statutes that says the licensee is required to show his license. Okay, well, that only applies to a licensee. And, you know, the dumb cops are out there actually charging people with refusal to cooperate and give information and uh, obstructing a law enforcement officer and even resisting arrest for refusing to produce your driver's license. I get a big kick out of it because I think it's funny uh, um, to tell the cop that. Uh, I don't have to show you my license. You know, and, and then they'll arrest you for resisting 
or refusal to cooperate, but what if you don't have a license in the first place? Can they charge? Can they create? Can they demand an impossibility? Can the can the cop charge you with resisting arrest, obstructing a law enforcement officer, or refusal to cooperate and give information when you're refusing to provide something that you don't even have in the first place? <laughs> it seems kind of like an oxymoron, or are these people morons? Um, but you're not required to have a license, folks. And Kurt Riggin has been doing that study on that for years. So has Lloyd Smith. Um, so has David Maryland and myself. And, uh, well, I'm going to push it all the way where I'm going to break it free, open, wide open, the right to travel, so that everybody will be able to start driving without a license and there won't be a fucking thing that they'll be able to do about it. Okay? That's what I'm working on in the background of all this other stuff that I'm doing because I want to see everybody free. We, They're using the driver's license as an enslavement device, especially if you don't pay your tickets. Um, they'll suspend your privilege to drive, folks. Um, state versus buyers cited with approval and state versus done. Okay, I posted the sites on the board. It says a person is restrained or imprisoned when he is deprived of either liberty or movement or freedom to remain in the place of his lawful choice. And such restraint or imprisonment may be accomplished by physical force alone or by threat of force or by conduct reasonably implying that force will be used, citing Kilpacup versus McCainus, 1964. Appellants were under arrest from the moment they were not and knew they were not free to go. United States versus C, 505 Federal 2nd, 845. Ninth Circuit, 1974. When the officer interrupted the two men and restricted their liberty of movement, the arrest for the purposes of this case was complete, citing Henry versus the United States. Okay. Um, boy, folks, uh, State versus Sullivan. I mean, it makes it very clear, okay? The, the court um, at page 51, 65 Washington 2nd, 47, but actually at page 51, it says, perhaps it should be mentioned that as a general rule, a person is placed under arrest when he is deprived of his liberty by an officer who intends to arrest him. It is not always necessary for the officer to make a formal declaration of arrest. See, the cops avoid telling you when you're under arrest or whether you're under a custodial arrest. And folks, the criminally corrupt members of the Washington State Bar Association and the appellate court judges and the Supreme Court judges are glossing over when they issue their published opinions, their findings of fact. They're glossing over the cops arresting and searching and ignoring the fact that they cannot search incident to all arrests which are required to be non-custodial. They cannot search incident to any arrest that the law requires to be non-custodial. At the very most, they can do a pat-down for weapons that's it. But only if they can articulate specific grounds that would give the trier of fact, the judge, reasonable grounds to believe that Catherine West cooking steaks in Horseshoe Park at 3.30 in the morning was dangerous because she didn't have no A1. <laughs> okay. And the dumb cop Kitsap County Sheriff Todd T. Byers ordering her to get back into her car to pretend to make it look like that she's the driver so that he can invoke the provisions of 4661-020 or 021, 
which only applies to moving traffic violations, not somebody who's legally parked. This is what they're doing, folks. Um, and the courts are ignoring this, and the attorneys are not briefing this out on purpose. So State versus Sullivan, I posted that on the board. Okay. Let me go into State versus Palfrey. Okay. Um, this case holding that the arrest was lawful despite the officer's failure to consider his discretion as granted by statute and court rule to cite and release in lieu of an arrest where the officer had probable cause to make the arrest. The court affirms the judgment. They're trying to get bad case law folks to try to overcome my stop arrest flyer that cites State versus Reading and State versus Storchern is what they're trying to do with this. Okay. Van Palfrey was convicted of possession of methamphetamine, which was found during a search incident to his custodial arrest for driving with a suspended license in the third degree of misdemeanor offense. These fuckers are so stupid, they published their violations of the statute in the very first sentence of the published opinion. This Palfrey guy could go back and sue based on this public decision for false arrest and false imprisonment. Okay. The arresting officer testified that he always makes a full custodial arrest a person suspected of driving while their license are suspended and, quote, always searches their persons and vehicles incident to such arrest. Wow. The cop admitted to his illegal search. You see how stupid these fuckers are? Okay. And this is the Division One Court of Appeals on February 23, 2004, the, the state versus Pulfrey. 120, Washington Appellate, uh, 270. Palfrey argues that based on this testimony, the trial court should have granted his motion to suppress the evidence found during the search incident in the officer's categorical refusal to exercise the discretion granted by statute. Now, folks, we're going to go over this so-called discretion. Okay? To exercise the discretion granted by statute to issue a citation and notice to appear in lieu of making a custodial arrest for this offense violated the statute, thereby making the custodial arrest unlawful. But our Supreme Court has ruled that no additional justification beyond probable cause need be shown where a custodial arrest is authorized by statute, as it is here. Folks, this is how criminal the judges sitting on the bench are in Washington. They will misquote the law on purpose to brainwash all the cops into believing it's okay to continue committing false arrest and false imprisonment. They're mistraining the cops on purpose. They're setting bad precedent to make it easier for them to arrest and take people into custody and allow them to conduct an illegal search so they can increase the value of a traffic stop, make more money, fill the jail bunks, get more kickbacks and federal money, okay, false arrest, false imprisonment, use of force and violence to do so, putting this information into an electronic database, which, folks, there's uh, an electronic version of the statute of the postal fraud statute, and now, since they've entered interstate commerce by posting that information with 911, CENCOM, uh, the WASIC, the NCIC, any electronic computer database, the COP, they are creating the groundwork, the scenario, laying a, a snare, laying a trap for future arrest based upon no authority to search. They're training the COP to conduct illegal searches with cases like this. 
Okay, so back to that last statement. But our Supreme Court has ruled that no additional justification beyond probable cause need be shown where custodial arrest is authorized by statute, as it is here. Boy, this judge sounds real confident writing these findings. He's a confident liar. Accordingly, we decline to extend judicial oversight of police decisions regarding custodial arrest beyond the determination of probable cause and affirm the trial court's ruling denying Palfrey's motion to suppress the evidence discovered during the search incident to Palfrey's custodial arrest. Okay. On August 24, 2000, at about 9 p.m., King County Deputy Sheriff George Alvarez pulled Van Palfrey over for driving with his left taillight out. Oops! Screech! Stop! Folks, that's right. You can be arrested for having your taillight out. He turns his light on, his headlights on, and stops you. You're under arrest. You're not free to leave. Can't search incident to that. Okay? Pulfrey responded to the officer's signal by pulling into a parking lot in front of an Al's Auto Supply store. When the officer told him that his left taillight was out, he said he had been headed to Al's Auto Supply in order to replace the taillight. Deputy Alvarez, nevertheless, obtained Pulfrey's driver's license and upon checking the license with the Department of Licensing, learned that the license had been suspended. Okay. The officer then arrested Pulfrey for third-degree driving while license suspended a misdemeanor, placed him in the back of his patrol car and proceeded to search the vehicle. In the course of the search, the officer found two bags of methamphetamine under the driver's seat. Er, stop, folks. Okay, let's go back to my uh, arrest me or free me flyer. Okay. Um, well, actually, let me pull up my, uh, where is my stop arrest notice? My stop arrest flyer. Okay. Let me read you the quote from State versus Storton. The dissent mischaracterizes RCW 1031-100. That statute first establishes the general rule that an officer may arrest for a misdemeanor or gross misdemeanor only when the offense is committed in the officer's presence. The subsections that follow set forth a number of exceptions. Subsection 3E provides that when an officer has probable cause to believe that the offense of driving while one's license is suspended or revoked has been committed, the officer shall then shall have the authority to arrest the person, quote, citing RCW 1031-100, subsection 3E. However, it is significant that this subsection does not specifically authorize a custodial arrest, since the subsection immediately prior does specifically authorize a custodial arrest in other circumstances. See RCW 1031-100, subsection 2. The difference cannot be deemed inadvertent. The omissions of a word from a statute must be considered intentional on the part of the legislature, citing State versus Roadhouse. Furthermore, the dissent fails to realize that the facts that make RCW 1031-103E moot here because Trooper Fry clearly testified that in this case, he had determined to release Kincaid prior to engaging in his search of the vehicle. At most, 1031-103E gives the officer the authority to arrest it does not require that he take an offender into custody, whereas here the officer deter determines correctly that there is no reason to do so. The Ninth Circuit recently held a detention in a police car after a stop for suspicion of driving with a suspended license did not constitute a full custody arrest, and therefore a warrantless search of the driver's passenger compartment could not be upheld as an incident to an arrest, citing United States versus Parr. State versus Torture and folks, 53, Washington Appellate, page 654 at 659, or 
769 uh, Pacific 2nd, 321, March 20, 1989. Okay, let me grab that uh, site on the board um, and, and put it for the chat board. Um, oh, Lloyd's there. Hi, Lloyd. Um, okay, so I'm going to go back to this Pulfrey case and show you how they're mistreating the law. They're mistraining the cops. Pulfrey was the only person in the vehicle when he was pulled over. The vehicle was registered to a friend of his, who showed up at the scene by the time the officer finished searching the car. Accordingly, the officer released the vehicle and its keys to the registered owner rather than impounding it. The officer informed Pulfrey that he was under arrest for violation of the Controlled Substance Act and took him to jail. Pulfrey was subsequently charged with unlawful possession of the methamphetamine. Another thing I'm going to point out, folks. Possession of methamphetamines is under a different statute that also is not in subsection 2, A, B, or C of 1031-100, okay? But he had no authority to find that methamphetamines, okay? Because driving while suspended is contained in subsection 3, which uses the words may arrest, but does not use the word and take into custody. There's no statutory authority for cops to arrest and take into custody anybody for driving while suspended for 46-23-42, so Pulfrey filed a 3.6 motion to suppress the evidence seized from the car. On cross-examination, Pulfrey's attorney asked the officer why he took full custody of Pulfrey rather than simply issuing a citation and notice to appear in court as the statute permits. The deputy responded, quote, folks, this just proves they're stupid. They will testify to their stupidity. This is what the cop said. It's our practice or my practice. If somebody is suspended driving with a suspended license, I take them into custody, quote, report of proceedings March 14, 2001 at 19. The officer also testified that he, quote, always searches such drivers' vehicles incident to their custodial arrest. Oh, boy. This Palfrey guy, he could go back on this and sue. Okay, he should sue his attorney for ineffective assistance to counsel also. The trial court... Although troubled by the officer's failure to exercise discretion whether to issue a citation or to perform a full custodial arrest, denied the motion to suppress, concluding that the officer had statutory authority to make a full custodial arrest for the criminal offense of driving with a suspended license and the constitutional authority to search Pulfrey's car incident to that arrest, period. Pulfrey then waived his right to a jury trial, and a bench trial was held on stipulated facts. On March 15, 2001, the court found Pulfrey guilty of unlawfully possessing methamphetamines. For reasons not germane to our discussion in this published portion of our opinion, Pulfrey was not sentenced until August 9, 2002. He was given a standard rate sentence and brought this timely appeal. Analysis. See, folks, we're going to go into uh, how they're trying to overcome my stop rest flyer. Well, I'm going to counter them doing them doing this bullshit and I'm gonna write a memorandum of law showing how they're misquoting this case and several other cases got out of context completely and they're glossing over the words arrest and custodial arrest and they're conveniently dropping the word custody or custodial off the word and you'll see that they can do this according to arrest. Once we arrest we can do this, once we arrest we can do that. And they're not telling you that they can only do this or that. When I'm talking when I'm talking about this or that, I'm saying searching. They cannot search incident to every arrest. They can only search incident to a lawful custodial arrest. <clears throat> okay, the analysis. In 1979, the legislature decriminalized most traffic offenses, State versus Redding, 
Folks, the State versus Reading quote is in my stop arrest flyer. 119 Washington 2nd, 685, 688, or 835 Pacific 2nd, 1019, 1992. Citing laws of 1979, first extra special session, uh, uh, chapter 136, section 2, codified as 4663020. Certain offenses, however, such as driving with a suspended license in the first, second, and third degree remain criminal. Okay. Uh, it's about footnote one okay um i don't need to read that because it's just going into the statute you can read the drive while suspended statute if you want to just by going to 462342 accordingly a police officer having probable cause to believe that a person has committed or is committing the offense of driving a vehicle while his or her license is suspended or revoked is authorized to place the driver under custodial arrest without a warrant, 1031-103-E. Oops! Misprint. Misprint. Folks, there's something... Uh, uh, Lloyd, I'm going to mention, we got to do this. we, we got to put in... Uh, folks, we gotta, we're going to put in a public disclosure request to the court administrator's office, to the state patrol, the Department of Licensing, and to the Washington State Supreme Court. What is the proper procedure for requiring the code revisor's office or whoever prints these public opinions to retract this published decision and strike it from the books or properly rewrite it and resubmit it because this is a myth quote. This is dicta that they set up on purpose to train cops to falsely arrest you. Okay? 1031-103E, folks. Uh, go look at that again. Okay, I, I've got it up on the board uh, um, above the RCW um, 1031-100 subsection uh, 100-3E. Any police officer having probable cause to believe that a person has committed or is committing a violation of any of the following traffic laws shall have the authority to arrest the person. Okay, F. RCW 4623-42, relating to driving a motor vehicle while operator's license is suspended or revoked. Folks, yes, they have the authority to arrest you. The lights turned on, they give you a ticket. That's what they can do. Does not say they can and take into custody for driving while suspended anywhere statute. It's a scam. Okay, so this is a misquote. Okay, and it cites State versus Perea and Redding, they're misquoting Reading, 119 Washington 2nd at 691 and 92. Incident to a lawful custodial arrest, police may make a warrantless search of the person in the passenger compartment of the vehicle that he or she was driving at the time of the arrest for weapons or destructible evidence under the Fourth Amendment and Constitution, Article 1, Section 7, citing State v. Stroud and State v. Quintero Quintero. Police are not required to make a full custodial arrest for the crime of driving with a suspended or revoked license, however. Oh, boy, we've got a contradiction up here first, folks. First, they say they can arrest you. They're authorized by statute to make a custodial arrest without a warrant, citing 1031-103E. And then down here, it says, at the next paragraph, police are not required to make a full custodial arrest for the crime of driving with a suspended or revoked license. However, officers may opt instead to issue a citation and notice to appear in court citing 4664015 and CRRLJ 2.1B1. 
Oh. And, and see, when we go back up to that footnote where it says they're authorized to place a driver under custodial arrest without a warrant, citing 1031-103E, it refers to footnote 2. It says, 1031-103, it's in pertinent part 3, any police officer has probable cause to believe that a person has committed or is committing a violation of any of the following traffic laws shall have the authority to arrest the person. And it goes down to former subsection E, 46 42 relating to driving a motor vehicle while operator's license is suspended or revoked. Well, up in the main body of the public decision, it says they can make a custodial arrest, citing 3E, but when you read 3E, it doesn't say arrest and take into custody. It only says arrest. So two times this, this published opinion is misquoting the law completely out of context. This is intended to confuse the cops just train the cops into believing that they can search you incident to arresting and taking you into custody for driving while suspended, which they can't legally do, folks. They cannot arrest and take you into custody for driving while suspended. Okay? Now, a citation the notice to appear releases a defendant on his or her personal recognizance after a non-custodial arrest has been made, State versus Doolittle. Okay? State versus Doolittle, folks, it also says... Uh, uh, a citation is not an arrest, and the arrest has already occurred. Okay, so I'm going to be drafting up uh, after I make a, a, a memorandum of law pointing out the misquotes of this stuff. I'm going to make up a new flyer called a mandatory cite and release procedure. Everybody will be able to hand this to the cop and say, I don't want to hear your bullshit. Just give me my ticket and let me go. I don't want to hear your fucking nonsense. Just give me my fucking ticket and get out of my face. Okay. Sorry, folks, hate to be disrespectful, uh, um, but they're mistraining these cops on purpose. And, and I can't believe a, a, a cop, you know, telling me that, you know, that I'm being belligerent and I'm being rude. Yeah, you know what? I'm tired of dumb fucks trying to tell me what the law is when they don't know the fucking law. They give these guys a fucking badge and a gun and they say, go out there and stick them up, make money. You know, I got a reason to be pissed. I got a reason to be agitated. Okay. CRRLJ 2.1B2 sets out the following release factors to aid police in exercising discretion whether to issue a citation or to make a custodial arrest. Two, release factors. In determining whether to release the person or hold him or her in custody, the police officers consider the following factors. I, whether the person has identified himself or herself satisfactory. Folks, you're only required to tell them your name, okay, and give them your address. You're not required to give them your social security number. You're not required to give them your date of birth. That's not their fucking business. The law says they're only required to give your name. Okay, and there's a recent Supreme Court decision about that. Uh, I think, I believe it came out of Arizona. I forget the name of it. You're only required to give your name and address. That's it. Okay. Uh, I, I, whether detention appears reasonably necessary to prevent imminent Bodily harm to himself, herself, or another, or injury to property, a breach of the peace. I, 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 whether the person has ties to the community reasonably sufficient to assure, assure his or her parents, or whether there is substantial likelihood that he or she will refuse to respond to the citation and notice. Well, this is unconstitutional, folks. How can the cop determine whether or not I'm going to refuse to respond to the notice? I'll tell you how they know that. They're looking at the computer records at your previous failure to appear history. That's illegal. They had no authority to search the computer. Whether or not I showed up in a fucking court in Seattle or Renton or somewhere 10, 15 years ago, none of their goddamn business. Okay? 
and I'm living in a different county now, so I don't have a history of failing to appear in this county where I'm living now, Grace Harbor County. So, and, and that's bullshit, folks, because I can tell you for a fact, and Kurt Riggin can tell you for a fact, that they are inputting false information into the computer on purpose to lay the groundwork for future false arrest. When Kurt uh, uh, was initially issued a, a so-called warrant for his arrest for failing to appear in the Grant County uh, uh, District Court, him and I both, uh, for allegedly unauthorized practice of law, for uh, uh, you know, which is ridiculous, for helping Randy Rowe. Uh, Randy Rowe was Kurt's former roommate, but the prosecutor knowingly sent a summons to appear to Kurt Riggin at an address that he hadn't lived at in Ballard for more than 10 years. So when it comes back undeliverable, okay, there's a difference between refused and undeliverable. Undeliverable means there was nobody there to get it. That means Kurt Riggin never got notice. That's different from the mailman comes and I say, oh, what's in there? Oh, well, you you got a summons to appear in court. I don't want to go to court. I'm not going there. Okay, so I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to sign for it. You know what the mailman does? He marks that refused. Okay, when it's mail is refused, yes, they can issue a warrant for your arrest for failure to appear because you refuse service. But in Kurt's case, he hadn't even lived at that place for more than 10 years. And you know what? In both cases, Kurt and mine, they waited more than a year to even file the criminal charge. That violates the statute of limitations. They can't, you can't prosecute anybody for a misdemeanor more than one year beyond its so-called commission. Okay, which is another ridiculous point I want to bring up. Point. This is how ridiculous the Grant County prosecutor. A bunch of dumb fucks. Robert Moser, you are a dumb fuck. Okay, folks, I must be so good at practicing law. I never even had been to Grant County in my life. I've never set foot in a Grant County courtroom or even the whole county of Grant County, period, when they filed charges against me for unauthorized practice of law in Grant County. I must be a super attorney. You could charge me for practicing law. I'm like Casper the Ghost. I'm the invisible man. I snuck into that courthouse and practiced law in the Grant County District Court representing Randy Rowe. And then they miscite a case called the Hunt case, folks, which is probably the most well-cited case for unauthorized practice of law. Well, Grant County prosecutor and judge, never mind the fact that Mr. Hunt actually dressed up in a suit and went in and tricked all the judges into believing he was an attorney because the guy was competent. He was uh, good at arguing legal documents uh, that he had prepared, settling insurance claims. And folks, here's what it was. They had no proof this guy was incompetently representing people. In fact, he was competently representing people for years. This guy was making hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars settling insurance claims, car insurance, accidents, things like this, this, this Hunt guy. And the attorneys were jealous of his business, and they decided to take him down. They go, oh, this guy's practicing law. He's not an attorney. He's not a member of the bar. Oh, shit, we can put him out of business, and we'll get his insurance business. That's what they did. had nothing to do with protecting the public because the guy was doing his job. But Kurt and I, uh, I Kurt, I, I'd never been to Grant County in my life before I got charged with unauthorized practice along Grant County. Never entered the courtroom. Okay, but back to this uh Palfrey case, contrary to the state's argument for this appeal, an argument for which it provides no authority because there is none, an officer who chooses to issue a citation and notice to appear rather than making a custodial arrest does not have authority to search the vehicle, even if the officer could have chosen instead to make a full custodial arrest. Citing Knowles versus Iowa, 525 U.S. 113, and State versus McKenna. Folks, they're citing the strongest cases 
that are in our favor, and they're misquoting them out of context so that you get these cases. State versus McKenna, 91 Washington Appellate, 554 at 561 or 958 Pacific 2nd, 1017, 1998. Yeah. Somebody moot yourself out, please. Here, Deb Alvarez took Palfrey into full custody for driving with a suspended license without any consideration of the option of issuing a citation and notice to appear in court. In mm-hmm. fact, he testified at the suppression hearing that it was his practice to take person down driving with a suspended license. Yeah, I'm going to have to put everybody out. Hold on a second here. Uh, mute all, and I'll find... Uh, I'll unmute you, Lloyd, in case you want to say anything. Okay, so right now, well, Lloyd's the only one to unmute it. Uh, okay. Um, in fact, he testified at the suppression hearing that it was his practice to take persons found driving with a suspended license into custody, and he, quote, always performs a search of their cars incident to such arrest. Palfrey argues that by automatically taking full custody of all suspects, such as himself, as a matter of course, Officer Alvarez failed to exercise the discretion granted by 4660-4015 and CRRLJ 2.1b1, thereby violating the statute. In support of this reasoning, Palfrey cites in-ray impoundment of Chevrolet truck, 148 Washington 2nd, 145 or 60 Pacific 3rd, uh, page 53, 2002. There, our Supreme Court struck down a regulation promulgated by the Washington State Patrol that removed the legislatively granted discretion to individual troopers to decide whether to order a vehicle impounded when its driver is found to be driving on a uh, uh, driving on a license that has been suspended or revoked, because the court concluded that the state patrol had exceeded its statutory authority by removing the discretion granted by the legislature to individual troopers. The court declined to reach the state and federal constitutional issues raised by the parties regarding impoundment of vehicles when in other reasonable means of protecting safety, public safety exist. Relying on a footnote in in re-impoundment of Chevrolet truck, Palfrey argues that individual police officers must exercise the discretion that they have been granted by statute, so that if a police officer refuses to exercise the discretion granted by RCW 4664015, in RCW 1031-103, and, quote, always places drivers found to be driving with a suspended license under full custodial arrest, regardless of the circumstances, the custodial arrest is per se arbitrary and unreasonable. Palfrey misreads the footnote, which is found at 148 Washington 2nd at 115 Note 2. There, see, they're relying upon misquotes of another court case to misquote something else, to train all cops into believing that they can arrest and take you into custody for all degrees of driving while suspended, first, second, and third degree. Guess what, folks? 462342 driving while suspended in the first, second, or third degree is not included in subsection 2A, B, or C of RCW 1031-100. Therefore, under the doctrine of express unius excludio, what is not included is excluded under Washington law. Okay, they cannot arrest and take you into custody for drive while suspended. Period. Now back to this case. There, in the course of rejecting the reasoning of the trial court, that if the Constitution requires discretion to be exercised by the officer at the scene, 
Before impounding the vehicle of a person finally be driving with a suspended or revoked license, the impoundment was nevertheless reasonable in that particular case. The court said, we reject this reasoning on grounds of logic, since WAC 204-96-010 divests officers of all discretion on whether to impound a particular vehicle, the officer who impounded all around van cannot have reasonably exercised discretion. He did not have, quote. The court did not, as Palfrey contends, thereby hold that police officers must exercise the discretion granted by statute, else they violate the statute and the Constitution as well. The issue in that case was whether the state patrol, as an agency of state government, had the statutory authority to remove individual officer discretion granted by the legislature by means of a regulation removing individual officer discretion, and the answer was no. 148 Washington 2nd at page 156 to 57 and 159 to 60. Moreover, an in rate impoundment of Chevrolet truck was expressly decided on statutory grounds, not constitutional grounds. Now, Pulfrey also relies on state versus Pettit and state versus WS. In Pettit, the Supreme Court affirmed a defendant's conviction for taking slash riding in a motor vehicle without permission of the owner but remanded for reconsideration of his sentence to prison for life as a habitual offender because the former Lewis County prosecutor had testified below that he, quote, always filed supplemental habitual offender information regardless of any mitigating circumstances of which the prosecutor could imagine none when the defendant had previously three times convicted of qualifying felony offenses. After noting the wide discretion afforded to prosecutors with respect to charging decisions, the court said, quote, the discretion lodged in the office necessarily assumes that the prosecutor will exercise it after an analysis of all available relevant information. The court remanded for resentencing and directed the trial court to consider a recommendation from the prosecutor reached through the exercise of prosecutorial discretion. Because the decision rested on abuse of, abuse of prosecutorial discretion, the court declined to consider whether the prosecutor's mandatory policy violated the defendant's constitutional right to due process of law. Now, in State v. W.S., this court reversed a juvenile adjudication of guilty for offering and agreeing to an act of prostitution on grounds that the prosecuting attorney categorical refusal to refer any juvenile charged with prostitution for diversion was both arbitrary and a usurpation of legislative authority, in that the policy was contrary to the intent of the legislature in enacting the Juvenile Justice Act of 1977, Chapter 1340, RCW, under which juvenile prostitutes clearly qualify for diversion. 40 Washington Pellet 837-38. The case was remanded for referral to the diversion unit for screening. Now, Palfrey argues that Petit and West W.S. supported ruling by this court that when the legislature granted discretion to individual officers whether to perform a custodial arrest or to issue a citation, and when our Supreme Court has set down guidelines to aid police in exercising their discretion in such cases, both the legislature and the court necessarily intended that police would exercise their discretion and not categorically refuse to do so. But Pettit and W.S. deal with abuse of prosecutorial discretion, not police officer discretion. As explained in Pettit, the exercise of prosecutorial discretion 
is an important and delicate component of the office in that the prosecutor is both an administrator of justice and an advocate who must exercise sound discretion in the performance of his functions and whose broad discretion in deciding whether to bring charges and in choosing the particular charges to be made requires the greatest effort be made to see that his power is used fairly and uniformly. 93 Washington 2nd 295. Um, Moreover, in both Pettit and W.S., the courts were dealing with policy decisions made by elected prosecuting attorneys that were binding upon individual deputy prosecutors in their respective offices. Now here, Officer Alvarez testified as to his own practice, not as to policy set down by the sheriff to govern the arrest decisions of every officer in a department. Okay, so this cop was a rogue cop doing whatever the hell he wanted to do. It wasn't the policy of his department. Guess what, folks? That's a lie. They're all doing the same thing. But the cops are saying, I did this as a matter of policy so that in case this case got dismissed, they would only be looking at him. They wouldn't be looking at all the other officers who are doing the same fucking thing. Okay, this is bullshit. Palfrey has ignored the appellate decisions that in fact provide persuasive authority. One such is State versus Redding. Oh boy. Folks, State versus Redding is a Washington State Supreme Court decision. Let me read that again. Pulfrey has ignored the appellate decisions that in fact provide persuasive authority. See, an appellate decision only per- provides persuasive authority. It's not the final mandatory or binding authority the Supreme Court is. So they tried to poo-poo State versus Redding and make it appear State versus Redding was merely an appellate decision. Let me read that again. Pulfrey has ignored the appellate decisions that in fact provide persuasive authority. One such is State versus Redding. 119 Washington 2nd at 695. Huh? One such is State versus Redding. 119 Washington 2nd. Folks, Washington 2nd is the Washington State Supreme Court Reporter Volume 2. There's two volumes of Supreme Court published decisions. There's Washington First and Washington Second. This is not a persuasive appellate decision. State versus Redding is a Washington State Supreme Court mandatory and binding decision. Okay, where Justice Utter wrote for a unanimous court. Finally, we reject Redding's argument that his arrest for reckless driving is only valid if some additional factor was present or his circumstances indicated that he would not make an appearance if issued a citation. The statutes 4664-015 and RCW 1031-100 do not require some additional factor to be present for police to have authority to perform a custodial arrest for reckless driving. Under State v. Heyman, 90 Washington 2nd, uh, uh, and folks, I'm going to point out something. They put brackets around the Heyman because they're trying to de-emphasize Heyman, okay, which is a major case for saying it's improper for cops to arrest and take people into custody for minor traffic offenses. That's basically the thrust of State versus Heyman. Under State versus Heyman, the only time additional grounds are necessary for an arrest to be valid is when a minor traffic offense has been committed. Because reckless driving is not a minor traffic violation, we need not inquire whether other reasonable grounds existed for arrest. Well, folks, go back to 1031-100, okay? Uh, Where do we find the reckless driving? Oh, it's in subsection 3C, 
any police officer having probable cause to believe that a person has committed or is committing a violation of any of the following traffic laws shall have the authority to arrest the person. Uh, folks, reckless driving is C. RCW 4661-500 or 4661-530 relating to reckless driving or racing of vehicles. Folks, you don't see either of those two statutes, 4661-500 or 4661-530 relating to reckless driving or racing of vehicles up in subsection 2A, B, or C, which says a police officer shall arrest and take into custody, pending release on bail, personal recognizance, or court order, a person without a warrant when the officer has probable cause to believe that a, B, and C. Not there, folks. Okay. In State versus Thomas, 89 Washington Appellate, 774-950 Pacific 2nd, 1998. Division three of our court was faced with a case in which officers exercised discretion to make a custodial arrest for reckless driving on grounds that later proved to be non-existence. In Spokane, although authorized by statute to do so, Police ordinarily do not place persons arrested for reckless driving under custodial arrest in order to limit jail population. They did arrest such drivers, however, if police records designated the driver as a gang member affiliate, 89 Washington Appellate 775. When Defendant Thomas was stopped by Spokane police for reckless driving committed in their presence, okay, folks, in his or her presence, I have attorney general opinions and a whole bunch of Washington case law, means they had to have seen it with their own naked, normal human vision, okay? Not the heat thermal imaging device, the FLIR device, seeing through two-foot cement walls in State versus Young. No, it has to be seen with their normal, naked human vision, okay? Um, when Defendant Thomas was stopped by Spokane police for reckless driving committed in their presence, the officers were advised by police radio that Thomas was listed as a gang member affiliate. So they placed him under custodial arrest. Folks, this is racial profiling at the very least, okay? There's no statute. We're going to arrest you because you're a gang member, okay? Um, that's just the, uh, the prejudiced white cop going after ethnic minorities who are allegedly members of a gang, okay? They conducted a search of the vehicle he had been driving and found a bag of cocaine. Testimony at the ensuing suppression hearing established that although Thomas had once been listed by police as a gang member affiliate, his name had since been removed from that list. Oh, folks, we're now going back to the invalid computer records, okay, that we went over last week. Since his name had been removed from that list, they violated their own policy by taking him into custody, which is their policy for arresting all those who are driving while suspended, only if they're still on the specific list for being an affiliated gang member. But since his name was removed from that list, they violated their own policy. But you know what? Their policy doesn't even mean shit, okay, folks, because reckless driving is in subsection 3. In fact, it is subsection 3C, which says they may arrest but does not use the word and take into custody. So the trial court found the probable cause existed to arrest Thomas for reckless driving, but nevertheless granted Thomas's motion to suppress the evidence obtained during the search incident, reasoning that since the custodial arrest decision was made on the basis of incorrect information, and this could apply to a man driving a gold Cadillac in Aberdeen, okay, uh, 
was made on the basis of incorrect information, the arrest was unlawful, and the subsequent car search was unjustified. The state appealed, and the appellate court reversed the ruling and remanded for trial. Redding specifically held that RCW 4664015 and RCW 1031103 authorize custodial arrest for reckless driving. It did not. It did not authorize custodial arrest for reckless driving. Okay. The court here found Mr. Thomas committed reckless driving in front of the police officers and their stop was not a pretext. Yeah, it was. Okay. Um, oh, boy. Uh, thus, the officers had probable cause to make a custodial arrest of Mr. Thomas. The, the usual practice of Spokane op- police officers is to cite and release reckless drivers. But the officers decided to make a custodial arrest of Mr. Thomas because they believed he was gang-affiliated. The state contends that the court should not have looked at the reason the officers made the custodial arrest because the officers had probable cause to make the custodial arrest without the erroneous information. We agree. Reading states, quote, the statutes 4664015 and RCW 1031-100 do not require some additional factor to be present for police to have authority to perform a custodial arrest for reckless driving. Whether Mr. Thomas was gang-affiliated or not, the, the officers had the authority to make a custodial arrest. Thomas, 89, Washington, appellate, 779. Folks, uh, I'm going to have to write a memorandum of law showing how they're misquoting State versus Redding and State versus Thomas, and in this case is completely misquoting the statutes out of context to, to, to train police officers. What they're doing is they're, they're intentionally confusing the police officers and obscuring the law and clouding the law to make it look like they can search incident to every arrest for running a red light, speeding, not using your turn signal, your headlamp out. They cannot search incident to any arrest which is required to result in the issuance of a citation and notice to appear. Police officers can only search incident to a lawful custodial arrest, period. Okay. Division 2 of our court made a similar ruling in State v. Clawson. 113 Washington Appellate, page 657, or 56 Pacific 3rd, 587, 2002. There, two days after having run the license plate on a parked vehicle and learning that the vehicle's owner, Clawson, had a suspended driver's license, police saw Clawson driving through driving the vehicle. They pulled him over and confirmed through dispatch that his license was still suspended. They placed him under custodial arrest, promptly impounded his vehicle, and performed an inventory search, finding methamphetamine, marijuana, and drug paraphernalia in the vehicle. The state charged Clawson with possession of the controlled substance and use of the drug paraphernalia, together uh, with driving while license suspended in the third-degree folks. You can't be charged with possession of drug paraphernalia unless they see you using it. Go look up the drug paraphernalia statute. It talks about the word use in the present tense. You have to be using the drug paraphernalia. Okay. Um, I beat a case for a 15-year-old, okay, uh, Marsha Durr's son, um, in the city of Grass Valley, no less. Let me tell you, that judge was fucking pissed because everywhere in the motion, I highlighted and bolded and underlined and put quotation marks on grass the city of Grass Valley <laughs> for a marijuana charge. And I had the cop put I had a kid put the cop on the stand and say, Well, officer, 
uh, how did you find my pot pipe? Well, it was in your back pocket. Well, officer, was I smoking that pot pipe in my the back seat of my pocket? <laughs> the judges, I'm not going to allow that line of questioning. Well, Your Honor, the statute says I'm required to be using the pot pipe. So for the record, officer, was I using the pot pipe? Was I smoking it in the rear of my backseat pocket? Do I have a set of lips that I placed around that pot pipe in my back pocket and was smoking it in my back pocket? Yes or no? An officer, have you ever read this statute before? I've been a police officer for 20 years. Oh, so you don't normally go around arresting people for violations of statutes you've never read, do you? I've read that statute thousands of times. Your Honor, may I approach the bench and hand the police officer a copy of the statute that he says he's read a thousand times? <laughs> well, I had this kid take the statute up to the to the dumb California cop in the city of Grass Valley, no less. He had it highlighted with a yellow pen, circled with a red pen, and the officer's eyeballs are bulbing out of his head, and he's looking at the judge and looking at the prosecutor for help. And the kid reads the statute into the record. Your Honor, I'd like to enter this statute into evidence. Exhibit A is offer of proof number one, pursuant to evidence rule 103, subsection 2. Just like Johnny Cochran, folks, that's where I learned the offer of proof rule from, from Johnny Cochran. Okay, O.J. Simpson, trials, you folks remember, if the glove doesn't fit, you know, the jury must acquit. Okay, so this kid's entering a copy of the statute, a 15-year-old kid making a cop look like a dumbass on the stage. The judge slammed his gavel, this case is dismissed, and you late, ma'am, you know, you shouldn't be teaching your 15-year-old to smoke pot. And Marcia Durr said, oh, I smoke pot, too. (laughs) Anyway, let me go back to this case, okay? Possession of the controlled substance and use of drug paraphernalia together with drive while suspended in the third degree. At the ensuing suppression hearing, testimony revealed that on the day of Clausen's arrest, the Collis County Jail has surpassed its maximum capacity and barring special circumstances was not booking detainees arrested for nonviolent misdemeanors such as driving while license suspended in the third degree. Thus, if an officer presented a de- de- detainee to the jail on a nonviolent misdemeanor charge, the shift sergeant determined whether the jail would book the person and generally would not do so unless the person posed some kind of threat to the community. Apparently, when Clausen was presented at the jail, he was either booked and then released immediately or simply released without being booked. He asked the trial court to rule that his arrest had been non-custodial from the start. The trial court declined to so rule, and Clausen was found guilty of all the charges at 660. The appellate court affirmed holding that Clausen had been placed under lawful custodial arrest despite the jail's booking policy, and that the trial court did not err in refusing to suppress the evidence found in the search incident to arrest and vehicle impoundment at 6661. See also State v. Balch, 114, Washington Appellate, page 55, or 55 Pacific 3rd, page 1199-2002. Defendant stopped for speeding. License check revealed that defendant's driver's license was suspended and that he was wanted on an outstanding extraditable misdemeanor warrant from another county. During a search incident to custodial arrest for driving while license suspended and also on the out-of-county warrant, the officer found marijuana 
After police dispatch subsequently told the officer that the misdemeanor warrant was not, in fact, extraditable, the officer sergeant directed the officer to issue a citation for the license suspension and marijuana charges and to release the defendant. The officer did so. Held, since the officer had probable cause and statutory authority to place the defendant under custodial arrest for driving while suspended and did so, the fact that the sergeant subsequently ordered the police officer to cite and release the defendant rather than to book him into jail did not invalidate the earlier lawful custodial arrest and search incident. Folks, I'm unfilling case after case where they're misquoting the statute out of context and they're misquoting the case law out of context with what the statutes really say. I think we have a conspiracy by appellate judges to put bad case law on the books to falsely train the police officers on purpose to not only continue making false arrests, but to make sure that they do so. (laughs) Folks, we're going to change the way they do business, okay? We have not been asked to decide this case on constitutional grounds and do not purport to do so. Nevertheless, a motion to suppress the methamphetamine found during the search of his vehicle incident to his lawful custodial arrest for driving with a suspended license in the third degree. The remainder of the decision lacks precedential value and will not be published in the Washington Appellate Report, but will be filed of record as provided by RCW 206040. Okay, folks, you see... The, the bullshit that's going on here. Uh, huh. This is crap. Okay. Um, I'm going to go to uh, another case called State versus Potter. 156 Washington 2nd, page 835, or 132 Pacific 3rd, 1089. April 27, 2006. Under RCW 1031-100-3E, a police officer may make a warrantless arrest of a motorist if the officer has probable cause to believe the motorist is driving with a suspended license. (laughs) Court of Appeals. The court reversed the dismissal and suppression orders in the Potter case at 129 Washington Appellate, 2005, holding that the arresting officer had probable cause to arrest the defendant for driving while suspended, Despite the later invalidation of the statutes under which the defendant's license was suspended and that the warrantless search of the defendant's person was justified as a search incident to a lawful arrest, the court also reversed the dismissal and suppression orders in the Holmes case at 129 Washington Pellet 24, 2005, holding that the third-degree drive while suspended statute is not unconstitutional and that there was sufficient probable cause to arrest the defendant for driving while license suspended in the third degree. Now, the Supreme Court... Here we go. Holding that the defendant's arrest were supported by probable cause based on reliable information from the Department of Licensing, indicating they were driving with license suspended in the third degree and that the arrest were not rendered invalid by the later invalidation of certain statutes governing how licenses may be suspended, the court affirms the decisions of the Court of Appeals and remands both cases to the trial court for further proceedings. Uh... This, folks, uh, more misquoting of case law, more obscuring between arrest and and driving while suspended. It says in State v. Potter, page 840, under 1031-100-3E, 
Police officers may arrest a person without a warrant if they have probable cause to believe the person is driving with a suspended license. Probable cause exists when the arresting officer is aware of facts and circumstances based on reasonably trustworthy information sufficient to cause a reasonable officer to believe a crime has been committed. At the time of the arrest, the arresting officer need not have evidence to prove each element of the crime beyond a reasonable doubt. The officer is required only to have knowledge of facts sufficient to cause a reasonable person to believe that an offense has been committed, citing State versus Gaddy. Well, folks, man has but five senses. So, other than tasting, touching, or smelling, the officer must see or hear that you're driving while suspended. So, did he taste you? Did he lick you and taste you driving while suspended? Did he did he sniff the cocaine off of you and sniff you driving while suspended? Okay. Did he touch you while he's filling you up, getting his thrills and getting his jollies, filling you up, patting you down? When he touched you, did he find out you're driving while suspended? Did he see you driving while suspended? Now, folks, if this officer had never seen you before and had never been issued you a citation for driving while suspended for, he had no prior knowledge that you were driving while suspended, did he? If he didn't hear anybody say, hey, stop that man, he's driving while suspended, under the fellow officer rule at the point, and the fellow officer had personal knowledge, had personally seen you driving before, and he's telling him over radio dispatch or even yelling across the street, hey, stop that guy, he's driving while suspended. The officer did not have any facts. He had no knowledge in his possession sufficient to cause a reasonable person to believe that offense is committed. Oh, no, no, no. The dispatch, uh, uh, the dispatcher told me you're driving while suspended. Well, folks, guess what? How did he contact that dispatcher? He contacted the dispatcher by electronic mobile data terminal over radio waves by the use of electronic equipment that sends a signal to the satellite in outer space or to the local antennas here by the sides of the highways. He's using advanced electronic equipment to see things or hear things that he could not see or hear with his normal naked human vision. So folks, every police officer who uses the electronic mobile data terminal or their CB microphone to contact the 911 dispatcher or the city of Aberdeen dispatcher is conducting an illegal search and there's no statutory authority in the entire revised code of Washington that allows police officers to run a, a, a random check. Okay. And folks, uh, I'm going to point out something too. Um, let me go back to the uh, RCW. Um, let me find. Oh, where is it? I'm going to have to Google the RCW again. I lost it. Um, folks, there's a case called State versus Rife um, that caused an emergency special session. To, I mean, I'm going to look up the statute now. I got it now. Title 46, 61. I believe it is 
21. Okay. Subsection 2. Whenever any person... Let me go to subsection 1. Okay, this, let me just read the whole statute. 4661021, duty to obey law enforcement officer, authority of officer. Oh, let me grab the link and, and grab you guys the link so you can just click on it too and uh, go along with me on this one. Uh, put this link up on the board. Something most people are unaware of. Um, the continued misprint of the statutes, 4661021. Okay. Go ahead and, um, folks, click on that link there and follow along with me in the statute. Subsection 1, any person requested or signaled to stop by a law enforcement officer for a traffic infraction has a duty to stop. Okay, folks, keep this in mind. Duty. I am not in the military. Lloyd Smith is not in the military. Kurt Riggin is not in the military. Uh, folks, look at the state constitution. All males between the age of 18 and 43 years old are presumed to be in the militia. Now, there's the regulated militia and the unregulated militia. The regulated militia would be the Army, the Marines, the Air Force, the National Guard, the Navy. The unregulated militia would be all males between the age of 18 and 43 years old. I'm 53 years old, Lloyd is 74, and I believe Kurt Reagan is 58 years old. We are no longer in the militia. We do not have a duty to stop. But try telling that to a dumb cop, okay? You know, they hire these people dumb for a reason. Whenever any person is stopped for a traffic infraction, the officer may detain that person for a reasonable period of time necessary to identify the person, check for outstanding warrants, check the status of the person's license, insurance identification card, and the vehicle's registration, and complete and issue a notice of traffic infraction. Three, any person requested to identify himself or herself to a law enforcement officer pursuant to an investigation of a traffic infraction has a duty to identify himself or herself and give his or her current address. Folks, you're only required to give them your name and your current address. Now, subsection two, the cops tell you, see, it says right there at RCW, I could check for out any words. <laughs> I could check the status of your license. <laughs> Folks, uh, effective date. Go down to the notes of that. Okay? 1997, first special session, chapter one. This act is necessary for the immediate preservation of the public peace, health, or safety, or support of state governments. Existing public institutions takes effect immediately. September 17, 1997. First special session, Chapter 1, Section 2. Folks, this statute was amended during an emergency special session. Oops. Uh, I bet there's something that you folks don't know. And I'm going to go pull. Bear with me for a second. And um, I'm going to pull up um, a, a brief uh, um, uh, uh, case sites. I got uh, a listing of case sites here for um, for Rife, a state versus Rife. Okay, that that's the case, folks. Um, state versus Rife. Let me grab the site. 133 Washington 2nd, 140, 1997. Guess what, folks? When they amend the statute during an emergency special session, 
that law expires in 120 days if it's not passed at the next regular session. Guess what was never done, folks? Okay. Um, they never passed that at the next regular session. Okay, so I'm going to go down. I'm going to find... Um, I'm going to scroll down to this document. I'm going to give you the statute uh, that specifically um, makes this argument. Okay. Uh, well, oh, let me read the site first. <clears throat> Supreme Court holding that the police officer was not authorized by statute to run the warrant check. The court reverses the decision of the Court of Appeals and suppresses the controlled substance found on the defendant's persons. The United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit in the United States versus Luckett 44 Federal 2nd, 89, um, 9th Circuit, 1973, held that without reasonable grounds for suspicion of a crime, the continued detention was unreasonable and evidence rightfully suppressed. Neither the statute nor the ordinance allows a warrant check, and contrary to the dissenting opinion, one is not necessary to verify the identity of the individual or the status of his or her license. Detention of person stopped for jaywalking in order to run a warrant check exceeds detention authorized for purposes of identifying the violator and issuing a traffic citation. Okay, so the Supreme Court ruled there was no authority under state statute that authorized a brief detention to run a warrant check and were in fact illegal and lacked any authority of law. State versus Rife at page 150. Okay, uh, so Washington law 1979. Okay, uh, the first session, extra session, Chapter 136, House Bill 101, five pages, did not provide any authority for cops to run a criminal background check or warrant checks. It, it, here's what it used to read. Whenever any person stopped for a traffic infraction, the officer may detain that person for a reasonable period of time necessary to identify the person, check the status of the person's license and the vehicle's registration, and to complete and issue a notice of traffic infraction didn't say anything about running a criminal background check or a warrant check. But what they did is they amended the statute. And I even went back earlier and decided to look at Washington Law 1980. I looked at 1989, Chapter 353, Substitute Senate Bill 5499, also five pages. Uh, an act related to uninsured motorists amending RCW 4652-030, 4661 and 4660-021, reenacting and amending RCW 4663-020, adding a new chapter to Title 26, creating new sections, prescribing penalties, providing an effective date, also does not provide any lawful, legal, or statutory authority to law enforcement to conduct any criminal background checks and clearly read in part, quote, Whenever any person is stopped for a traffic infraction, the officer may detain that person for a reasonable period of time necessary to identify the person, check the status of the person's license, insurance identification card, and the vehicle's registration, and complete and issue a notice of traffic infraction. There it is again, folks. There wasn't any authority to run the war check. Okay, so all of a sudden, in 1997, first Special session, Chapter 1, House Bill 3902, one page, an act relating to warrant checks, amending RCW 4661-021, and declaring an emergency. We need more money. We need more money. 
All this lazy piece of shit, Washington State Bar Attorneys need more money ripping off clients in court pretending to represent them to the best of our ability to fill our own wallets and fill our pockets and fill the jail bunks so the jail commanders can get a paycheck and make sure the court clerks have a job and the prosecutors have a job and all the attorneys will have money. We're going to train all our cops to falsely arrest people. Let's enact a statute. Okay. So here it is, Chapter 1, House Bill 3902, Warrant Checks, an act relating to warrant checks, amending RCW 4661021, and declaring an emergency. We need more money, more money, more money. Subsection 2, whenever any person is stopped for a traffic infraction, the officer may detain that person for a reasonable period of time necessary to identify the person, check for outstanding warrants, Check the status of the person's license, insurance, identification card, and the vehicle's registration, and complete and issue a notice of traffic infraction. Folks, you're stopped for a traffic infraction. That's not a crime. The cop saw you run a red light. The cop saw your headlight out. That's an infraction. That doesn't give him probable cause to believe that a crime's been committed. But they're conducting a search incident to what the law requires to be a non-custodial arrest because you can't be taken into custody for not having a headlight out. You cannot be taken into custody for speeding. You cannot be uh, taken into custody uh, uh, when an anonymous caller calls in and claims that you cut them off and are falsely claiming that you're reckless driving. The cops cannot change their probable cause to something else other than what the anonymous caller called in. They have to prove the basis of the original stop and prove that the information was valid. Okay, we can demand a Frank's hearing. Okay, and that's what something I'm putting together. We're going to be able to demand a Frank's hearing for every single traffic infraction that resulted in them finding out you had a warrant for your arrest, them finding out you're driving while suspended, and then they search your car and found drugs. We're going to demand a Frank's hearing and make them prove the original probable cause was valid. Okay? And the cops are going to say, well, see, we changed the law. We could check for warrants. <laughs> Dumb motherfuckers. Okay, folks. Let me read you what Perosa versus Tacoma says. But the legislature specifically disclaimed any intention to change the meaning of any statute. The compilers of the code were not empowered by Congress to amend existing law and doubtless had no thought of doing so. The act before us does not purport to amend a section of an act, but only a section of a compilation entitled Revised Code of Washington, which is not the law. Such an act purporting to amend only a section of the prima facie compilation leaves the law unchanged. Perosa versus Tacoma, okay, 57 Washington 2nd, 409, December 22nd, 1969, okay, uh, and also I'll put uh, uh, C. In race self versus Ray, 61 Washington 2nd, 261 to 266, January 17th, 1963. Uh, folks, the RCW is not the law. What the hell are they giving me a ticket for then if the RCW is not the law? Well, folks, they want your money. They want your money. That's what it's about. They want your money. Hire guys that got out from the Army, the Marines, and the Navy. These guys are dumb fucks that couldn't get a job in the real world. They're too stupid, so they went into the military. Okay? And I don't care if anybody gets pissed off at me for putting down military, because you know what? The people in the military are going around killing... They're going around the world killing people. They're killing civilians and raping women. raping children. They're killing people. I have no respect for our military, period. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Okay? Unless you were drafted... 
and you were forced to go. But if you volunteered to go in the military, I think you're a dumbass, okay? Because you just volunteered to be uh, an experiment to pump drugs in, okay? They use they use our men, our sons and daughters for military experiments and force you to be vaccinated with all kinds of mind-altering drugs and stuff to change your chromosomes. And you folks really don't understand what the military does to people, okay? Um, they ruin people. Now, get off the subject of military. I don't want to piss everybody off who likes military, okay? Let's go on to the emergency acts. Folks, the legislative amendment to that statute, 4661-021, was passed during an emergency. You heard me read the statute. I gave you the case site. Here's what RCW 34 05-350, subsection 2 reads. I'm going to post this on the board, the statute. Um, you can go to the Rewrite Code of Washington and pull this up. Okay. An emergency rule adopted under this section takes effect upon filing with the code revisor unless a later date is specified in the order of adoption and may not remain in effect for longer than 120 days after filing. That statute was passed, okay, during an emergency special session, okay? And when the court makes a ruling upon a statute, that becomes part of the rule, okay? And the case law says that statutes and court rules are to be interpreted in the same manner. The statute, the, the rules of statutory construction that apply to statutes also apply to court rules. And the rules of statutory construction or court rule construction apply to statutes. Okay, so guess what, folks? Let me read that again. RCW 34.05.350, Emergency Rules and Amendments. An emergency rule adopted under this section takes effect upon filing with the code revisor unless a later date is specified in order of adoption and may not remain in effect for longer than 120 days after filing. This statute was never passed at the next regular session, okay? It expired in 120 days, okay? Filing with the code revisor, okay? But guess what? They didn't even file it, the code revisor. <laughs> okay? Uh, we got a problem, folks. They didn't plead. We can argue, well, you didn't cite a statute that says you can run a warrant check. Under CRLJ 9J, pleading private statutes, and pleading a private statute or right derived therefrom, it shall be sufficient to refer to such statute by title and the day of passage, and the court shall thereupon take judicial notice thereof, which means, folks, if they can't provide a statute that allows them to run a warrant check that was actually lawfully passed, and they can't refer to the statute by a title and a date of passage, they can't take judicial notice of it. In Bowen versus Baumgartner, 6 Washington Appellate, page 18 or 491 Pacific 2nd, 1301, 1971, the court refused to consider claimed applications of the Seattle Traffic Code sections because they were neither pleaded nor included in any affidavit. Okay, so likewise, this court is required by Rule 9 to refuse to consider claimed applications of the non existent. Uh, uh, warrant check statute because state versus rife 
the legislative amendment to that statute, 4661021, is legally expired. So we got a problem, okay? I don't have to prove a negative. Folks, have you ever heard that? Okay, I'm going to give you a case called Higgins versus Salowiski. Okay, real good case, 17 Washington Appellate, page 7, March 28, 1977. Okay, and uh, let me get that on the board. Uh, oops. Uh, and find, okay, 562 March 28, 1977. Higgins versus Salowiski. Let me read you. Uh, uh, Part of the quote um, at the at the head note one evidence proof of a negative sufficiency proof of a negative need not be conclusive but is sufficient when the existence of the negative is made probable or a reasonable presumption of the negative has been created. Oh, so why don't we put in a summary judgment package, folks? The state of Washington admits that the RCW Constitution, July 4, 1889, was never passed. The state of Washington admits that Senate Bill 185, was it 182, Lloyd? I forget. Oh, I'm, I'm, my memory's flipping me now. Um, I think it's Senate Bill 185 that purported to allow Washington, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Montana to convene a second constitutional convention, frame a second constitution, and elect a new state government that would purport to allow a woman, Dixie Lee Radiation, or Christine Gregoire to run for and hold the office of Assistant Attorney General or Governor. Guess what, folks? It's a one-house bill. That's right. Dixie Lee Radiation and Christine Gregoire were never legally the governors of this state because the Enabling Act that purported to allow them to convene a second constitutional convention and frame the new phony RCW Constitution and elect a new state government, including the current government that exists today, it does not exist in fact or law. Okay. State of Washington does not exist in fact or law except as a corporation registered on Dun and Bradstreet. They do not exist legally. And Higgins versus Salowiski says a de facto office cannot exist at any level of government and the actions of one attempting to hold such an office are void. Okay? And it cites a case called Boyer versus Fowler. Under a constitutional government such as ours, there can be no such thing as an office de facto as distinguished from an officer de facto. Hence, the general rule that the acts of an officer de facto are valid has no application where the office itself does not exist. Oh, oh folks, guess what? The state of Washington doesn't exist. <laughs> uh Boyer versus Fowler, number one, Washington Territory, page 101, 1860. Folks, I'll put this site on the board so you can have that. You can look the site up and read it. Okay? There can be no such thing as an office de facto as distinguished from an officer de facto. Okay? They must first elect an office de jure before they can go to an office de facto. In other words, folks, they have to go back in line, swear an oath to uphold the 1878 Walla Walla Constitution. That's the one that was approved, folks, by Congress on January 28, 1889. 
for which we never elected the state government. That's right. Hey, Lewis, let me uh, fill in a little bit more on that Senate bill. Go ahead. Okay. Anyway, uh, back in 1888, the Congress went through the whole process pretending to approve Senate Bill 185, and it died on the vine. Nothing happened. They did not pass it. It did not go to the president. And then the House come up with House Bill 8615 uh, back in uh, January, right at the beginning of, of uh, January or December of 87, January 88. So remember that was House Bill 8615. It was on the books for a month, never went to the Senate. And then they changed the number to House Bill 185. And when they created House Bill 8615, they got rid of the constitutions attached to Senate Bill 185. It had a uh, four constitutions attached to it that were already approved and already passed by the states. States were already states, but they weren't admitted to the union. So when they did House Bill 8615, converted it to House Bill 185, and then they attached the Enabling Act to that bill, and that bill went over, and the president signed it into law, and it never, ever went to the Senate. That's what makes it a one-house bill unconstitutional. So, But anyway, go ahead. I wanted to fill that in so they didn't miss out on it. They can check that out. Great. Uh, you know, Lloyd, we're going to have to do uh, another show devoted exclusively to the Constitution to break it down in perfect detail and, and cite the different bills and stuff. Um, but that, that was good to let people know that. Well, folks, back to... Uh, the, the arresting stuff, okay? My flyer, State versus Redding, makes it very clear. I'm going to give you the, the proper quote. Citing State versus Stortran with, with approval, which I've already posted on the board. In Stortran, the court held that an officer could not make a custodial arrest simply because the driver was operating the vehicle with the revoked license. Okay, keep that in mind, folks. Revoked is a higher penalty, like somebody who's a drunk driver who had their license revoked as opposed to somebody who didn't pay their tickets, their driver was suspended, which is also illegal, folks. They cannot suspend your license for failure to pay a ticket. I'm going to go over that in another show again later. Okay, It considered 1031-100 in a footnote, but found that it did not give police officers authority to perform a custodial arrest. Storage turn, 53 Washington Appellate at page 659, note 5. It noted that RCW 1031-100, subsection 3, provides that an officer shall have the authority to arrest a person for offenses such as driving with a revoked license. It contrasted this language with that in the preceding subsection, 1031-100, subsection 2 which states that a police officer shall arrest and take into custody, quote, an individual has committed some act of domestic violence. The court felt that such a difference in language could not be inadvertent. Therefore, it concluded that 1031-100, subsection 3, did not authorize custodial arrest. Although RCW 1031-100 may use the word arrest in a generic fashion, RCW 4664-015 answers the separate question of what form a traffic arrest must take. It provides that the detention arising from such an arrest must generally be no longer than reasonably necessary to issue and serve a citation in the notice, RCW 4664-015. 
The central issue in this case is the relation between our decision in State versus Heyman, 90 Washington 2nd, 45, or 578 Pacific 2nd, 527, 1978, and subsequent legislation contained in 1031-100, RCW, and RCW 4664-015. We conclude that the legislation codified our rule in Heyman that the officers generally may not perform custodial arrest for minor traffic offenses. There you go, folks. I just proved State versus Potter, State versus Clausen, State versus Palfrey is misquotes in each one of those defendants. They could go back and sue the state of Washington for false arrest, false imprisonment, and they could sue their attorneys for ineffective assistance of counsel. Okay? 4664015. Um, I posted that on, on uh, um the chat board already, folks. Um, I can grab it again for uh, people who came on to this show. Uh, let me, where is that? Uh, um, I'll grab the link and post it on again for those of you who came on too late and, and can't see um, this statute. Hey, Lewis, okay. can I say something about that statute? Yeah. Anyway, if, uh uh, six, uh, 4664015, specifically for those that can't see the board or are unable to get on it, states that they're required to follow all the aspects, all the edicts, and the latest amendment of uh, 1031.100, which says they can't arrest for suspended license. Because it's, the, the reason it says that they can't arrest for it is because it says who they, what they can arrest for, and therefore that statute is... Uh, for uh, arrest for uh, custodial arrest for suspended license is not stated specifically, so it's excluded from the statute. So 1031-100 and 1064-115 specifically lays out that they cannot custodial arrest for suspended license. Go yeah, ahead. folks, I'm going to be preparing a memorandum of law, a constructive notice and warning demanding that the state patrol immediately change their arrest policy and follow Lewis Ewing's mandatory site and release procedure. Your boss, Lewis Ewing. That's right. Lewis Ewing is your boss. Okay, you people are public servants. I'm the public. You're my servant. Okay, that makes you my bitch. Okay, period. Okay, here's what 4664.015 says, folks. Citation and notice to appear in court. Issuance, contents, arrest, detention. Whenever any person is arrested for any violation of the traffic laws or regulations which is punishable as a misdemeanor or by imposition of a fine, the arresting officer may serve upon him or her a traffic citation and notice to appear in court. Such citation and notice shall conform to the requirements of 4664.010 and in addition shall include spaces for the name and address of the person arrested the license number of the vehicle involved, the driver's license number of such person, if any, the offense or violation charged, and the time and place where such person shall appear in court, such spaces shall be filled with appropriate information by the arresting officer. An officer may not serve or issue any traffic citation or notice for any offense or violation except either when the offense or violation is committed in his or her presence or when a person may be arrested pursuant to 1031-100 as now or hereinafter amended. The detention arising from an arrest under this section may not be for a period of time longer than is reasonably necessary to issue and serve a citation and notice 
except that the time limitation does not apply under any of the following circumstances. One, where the arresting officer has probable cause to believe that the arrested person has committed any of the offenses enumerated in 1031-100, subsection 3. Okay, that would include driving while suspended. Okay, all that does is give them a little bit more time to write the ticket. Period. doesn't say anything about taking into custody and does not say anything about searching. Two, when the arrested person is a non-resident and is being detained for a hearing under 4664-035. Folks, there's nothing in 1031-100 or 4664-015 according to my stop arrest flyer, State versus Reading, with the proper quotation of State versus Reading and the proper quotation of State versus Torturing, even though they've amended these statutes, my flyer is still legally correct. Police officers do not have authority to arrest and take into custody anybody for driving while suspended, nor do police officers have any authority to search incident to a custodial arrest for driving while suspended because the cops do not have the legal statutory authority to arrest and take into custody for driving while suspended, period. They're mistraining the cops on purpose, folks. So I'm going to pull the rest of these cases that are cited in that I read tonight in uh, State versus Palfrey, State versus Potter, and State versus Clausen. And I'm going to write a constructive notice and warning, and I'm going to serve it on the state patrol, the governor of the state, the court administrator, Department of Licensing, demanding that they... Um, Retract these public decisions or issue a corrected opinion because they're misquoting the law out of context. Just like the prosecutors used to quote Spokane versus Port, driving is a privilege. <laughs> it is so funny to shoot the prosecutors down on that now and the judges now when they try to bring it up. They won't bring that case up on me in court anymore because it's too embarrassing. And I say, I object, Your Honor. Spokane versus Port did not rule or hold that driving is a privilege. It misquotes another case. Completely out of context. That case, folks, is called Evergreen District Court versus Juckett. Okay? Now, I'm going to point out something, folks. Both Spokane versus Port and Evergreen District Jucket, District Court versus Juckett are drunk driver cases. And Evergreen District Court versus Juckett did not so hold or rule that driving is a privilege. I could not find those words anywhere together. Some crooked member of the State Bar Association and the crooked judges and prosecutors who allowed these public decisions to come out misquoted the case law completely out of context. Okay, they took words out, omitted words out to change what it said. It did not say driving is a privilege. The closest you can find those words together, folks, it says, the driver takes the wheel, does so with knowledge that the use of the license is the privilege and therefore has consented to take the breathalyzer. Well, Your Honor, the prosecutor's half right and he's half wrong. Nobody has a right to drink and drive. Drunk driving is a privilege granted by the state. And you guys spend millions of dollars putting signs up on the highway saying you can drink and drive up to 0.10%. Actually, they changed it to 0.08% now. Um, but that's a fact, folks. The, basically, the driver's license is a commercial driver's license that also operates, allows you to drink and drive. That's what it is. It's drunk driving is a privilege. Okay, there's two privileges, drunk driving and using that car for commercial purposes. The state only sells commercial driver's licenses. Go to my website, lewisewing.com, and you will see a uh, flyer um, uh, showing, it's called No Commercial Driver's License Required, 
and you'll see another flyer that says no regular driver's license required. And you read them, they're very, very similar, but it shows you that the state only sells commercial driver's licenses. They don't sell a license that's not commercial. Look at the registration in your glove box, folks. The registration in your in your glove box uh, uh, says pass class, passenger class. You've licensed your car as a passenger class carrying vehicle. Okay? We've been tricked. That doesn't mean that you're required to have a driver's license. It just allows them to continue their fraud. Okay, we have what? Seven million plus Washington residents times what forty five how much is it for a driver's license now? Forty five bucks? Okay, that so that's what, like two hundred and eighty something million? Okay. So the fact is the judges and prosecutors have at least two hundred and eighty million dollar reasons why they're lying to you. That's right, $280 million reasons why they're going to continue to lie to you. Keep in mind, when the judge is telling you you have to drive and driving is a privilege, he's telling you the truth and he's lying at the same time. But see, keep in mind, the judges are not under oath. They can lie all day along from the stand and give you false legal advice. And they do so to fill their pockets. And I'll tell you something that's really funny, folks. You can start embarrassing the cops with this and the judges. Okay? Look up Briscoe versus LaHue. That's a U.S. Supreme Court decision that says police officers have immunity for committing perjury in open court. Why do you think they're wearing their uniform and their badge? They're on duty. They're getting paid. Anything they do while in the performance of their duties, while they're getting paid, they have immunity for committing perjury. So the judges are actually committing subordination to perjury. They're perpetrating a fraud upon the public. And generally, they always take the cop's word over yours. Well, I believe the officer. He's an upstanding officer. Yeah, he's writing tickets and filling the jail bunks, and you probably own the fucking jail, and you probably own the alcohol rehab clinic, and you probably own the anger management class and the domestic violence class and the parenting deficiency class, and you probably have stock in the insurance companies, and you got the cops out there writing insurance tickets. And you hired a bunch of dumbasses with an 80 IQ or less, and you stick a badge and a gun out there, and you're saying, go out there and stick them up, make make his money. That's what's going on, folks. The whole thing is a traffic scam. The whole thing is to get your money. That's what it's all about. And the attorneys won't fight these arguments. See, they've got control of all the bar attorneys. The conspiracy fact, folks, is every judge in every single state is a member of your state bar association. Every city attorney in every city is a member of the Washington State Bar Association. Every elected county prosecutor, deputy prosecutor, and special prosecutor is a member of the State Bar Association. Every U.S. attorney in the federal court and every judge in the federal court is an attorney who is a member in good standing of that State Bar Association. All of them have immunity. The cop has immunity. The judge is standing up the police officer and getting him to raise his right hand and swearing him in. That judge is committing subordination to perjury because that judge knows the cop has immunity for committing perjury and the cop knows he has immunity for committing perjury and they're putting on a show. They're perpetrating a fraud and so the jury believes, well, he's he's a police officer. He's an honest, upstanding citizen and this guy, he's just a drug dealer. He's a punk. They found methamphetamines. They found cocaine and all the white guys are going, yeah, he's black. He's Mexican. Uh, yeah, of course they were going to find drugs. He's guilty. 
That's not the way the law works, folks. Because if you can go after the blacks and the Mexicans, they can go after the whites next. And guess what? You folks are now 14th Amendment Dred Scott slaves. <laughs> okay? The Civil War of 1860 did not free the black Negro slaves. It made slaves out of all of us. Go read the Dred Scott case, folks. It holds that persons, Dred Scott was a person, and therefore it was proper to treat him as property in REM. That's right. And something that I'm going to be developing to attack CPS with nationwide. We're going to be putting in motions to return the parent's property. The children are persons under the law, and therefore under Dred Scott, which has never been overturned, they are property of the parents. Under man's law and God's law, the Bible says the children is a gift from the womb. And a gift, a gift from the womb, and our heritage, folks. Look up the legal definition of heritage. It means property. So even though the state pretends to own everything, there's a Senate bill. I don't remember the number. It says all property lies in the state. Uh, 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 uh. This is when we're going to bring in the doctrine of the non-existent doctrine. I call it bullshit. Separation of church and state. Okay. Lewis, that's but, Senate Bill 43 from the 73rd Congress, 1933. Okay, folks. Great. Thank you, Lloyd. We're going to use their bullshit against them and say, well, excuse me, Your Honor, under the doctrine of separation of church and state, man's law, our state constitution, guaranteeing me my religious convictions, which you've sworn enough to uphold, a woman shall not usurp authority over the man, so this brainless, bimbo, dumb bit social worker can't terminate my parental rights, and the children are persons under, uh, 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 what's that case called, um, uh, Roe, the Roe case, the abortion case, folks, Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade, folks, and also Wisconsin versus Yoder, says children are persons under the law, and Dred Scott says persons are property. Therefore, all dependency statutes, you're going to love this. This is a major revelation you've never heard anywhere else. When the state builds a highway through your property, through your apple orchard, they can't just come in there and take your property. That violates the takings clause of the state and federal constitutions. They can't take your property through eminent domain or whatever unless they compensate you. So every single dependency and termination statute in every single state is illegal because it allows the state to take away the parent's property without compensating them and without a jury trial. And these are legal issues that have never been raised in any family court properly. And all we got to do, folks, is look up the state and federal constitutional sections regarding the takings clause of the Constitution, pull the best case law. You folks find it, send me the case law on the takings clause of the Constitution where the, pro where the state takes property away. We're going to use Wisconsin versus Yoder and Roe versus Wade to show the court that all children are persons under the law. And since Dred Scott has never been overturned, Dred Scott is the holding decision that all you Jew judges just love. I heard you Jew judges just love Dred Scott. Persons are property. So the state can't take my property without compensating me. You can rent them, and boy, it's going to cost you quite a few million per, per child, I'll tell you that. 
And I'm going to brief this out, and I'm going to put it out to every family rights group in the entire United States for free, just to fuck all you judges. Anyway, folks, it's 5 after 7. I'm calling it a night. And uh, we'll be back next Saturday night. And I'm ending the show. Good night, folks. Thanks for helping out, Lloyd. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.